You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Could I get a little less juice on this microphone, please, Julio? Thank you. Oh, thank you. I feel like that thing was hot. Hot like my wife. What? Stop it, John. Stop it, John. Come on, we got guests here. They don't want to hear about how hot your wife is. (laughs) Welcome to Discovery. (laughs) Maybe just a a smidge more, Julio. Smidge, like a smidge. A smidget. Smidge, yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. So uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 15 today. We are actually kicking off a brand new series called Mind Monsters. And uh, it's a series really about uh, how a lot of the times, if we're not careful, there's certain emotions that try to take control of our lives. How many of you guys know that's true? And so uh, emotions like anger, greed, envy, lust. And so we're actually going to be looking at How do we um, break free from those different emotions uh, according to the Bible? And so today we're kind of just setting the foundation for the next five to six weeks in our series. And I'm very excited. So today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 15. I'll give you guys some time to get there. Matthew chapter 15. I do want to say again, as you saw Amanda announce on the on the screen, we're kicking off signups for our fall small groups. And so if you have never been in a small group before, we urge you to, to sign up. Listen, I think Sundays are great, but I think growth happens in the context of small groups. And so we want you to jump into a community. You can sign up at the end of our worship experience. And we also got some popsicles from you, for you afterwards, and we, uh, we're going to pass them out near the sign-up. So that, so that you kind of just have to go there and, um, and <laughs> see what we did there. And uh, we would love for you to, 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 to grab a popsicle. They're all natural, gluten-free, little bit of sugar, no preservatives. Come on, Sonoma County. Woo! You know how we do it. <laughs> and so, um, so, yeah, so Matthew chapter 15, I'm going to read a first, our first verse and then I'm going to pray. This is actually in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11, but stay in 15 because we will be there. Matthew 11 verse 28, it says this. Then Jesus said, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you stress. No, that doesn't say that, right? It says rest. And so clearly this is an opportunity when Jesus is speaking for us to lean in because I don't know about you, but I can use some rest. And so uh, this morning I want to talk to you from the subject, eating with dirty hands. Eating with dirty hands. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together and to hang out with one another. But God, we, we came here ultimately, Father, to, 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 uh, for you to speak to us, God. And so we ask right now that within the next uh, three hours of me preaching, God, that you would uh, speak through me. And uh, God, we, no one has time to waste. And so we ask that we would leave here changed, even if, it's just, even if it's just a little different, God. Not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone sing. Amen, amen. amen. So 
I've perfected something that I'm sure that you guys have perfected as well. Um, I perfected the art of monitoring my behavior. Now, I'm sure in this room there are some people who are better at that than others. Some of you guys are really good at monitoring your behavior. And I would guess that there are some of you in here that are not the best at monitoring your behavior. But nonetheless, I've learned how to monitor my behavior until I forget that I'm supposed to monitor my behavior. Like I'm very good at monitoring how I act and what I say until I realize, oh, I forgot to monitor what I said and what I did. Can anyone relate to me? Y'all are just staring at me like, ooh, pastor, you evil. Anyone, show of hands, can relate to what I'm saying. Mastering the ability to monitor my behavior. Now, now we see this a lot in the progression of life. In fact, we see this uh, in dating, right? Like when you are dating a person for the first time, you are very good at monitoring your behavior. You don't agree with me? Well, you had to because you're married now. And so, so we're really good at monitoring our behavior in the dating process, right? We know we monitor what we say, how we act. That's why when people get married, they're like, I never saw this side of this person. I didn't know. Why? Because they're very good at monitoring their behavior. And so you, we're good at monitoring behavior in, the, in the, dating, uh, the dating season. And then we move to the marriage season. And that's when all of a sudden we just let it all hang out, don't we? That's when everything is like, no monitoring behavior, nothing. And I'm going to be vulnerable because I'm going to tell you a time when I first realized my behavior that I, I wasn't monitoring it, okay? My wife and I, we just, we just got married. And uh, we were in the process of moving into our very first apartment. We were excited to just, you know, just to be in our own place. And, and so here we are, we're, 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 uh, we're, we're unpacking. And uh, my wife, she, she just, she's tired because we were, we were packing and unpacking, moving all day, okay? And, and what I need, I, got, I have to set this up because we had planned to go out on a date that night. So all day, the night before, I am looking forward to going on a date with my wife. So here we go. We're moving. We're uh, moving all day. We get to this place, and I'm like, babe, are you excited about going to wherever we're going? And she said, she said, babe, I think I'm too tired to go. Now, when we were dating, I was like, oh, okay, no problem. It's fine. <laughs> but then something inside of me, when she said that we couldn't go or she didn't want to go, like, I lost it. All of a sudden, my ability to monitor my behavior, like, malfunctioned. And I was like, what do you mean you can't go? She's like, huh? <laughs> but we planned it. Like, and so, like, I'm just like, first time ever I yelled in front of my wife. Wait and I was, I was livid. Like, it was for, and I'm not justifying it, but like, when I make plans and it's canceled, I kind of just like have a hard time 
adjusting to the fact you ruined my day. And so, <laughs> I'm just messing. So, so she, so, so she's like, she's like, or I'm yelling like, no, we, and I get so mad, right? There's this box, there was this Rubbermaid box that was, that was right there. I thought it was empty. And so I was going to end this thing with a dramatic statement. So she knew how mad I was. And I was like, I can't believe you would do And I kick it as hard as I can. I didn't realize that the box was not empty. But in fact, all of our books were in there. And so what I thought was an empty box, I kicked it and it did not move. Pop! And I dropped to the ground. My toe was sprained. My big toe. I was in pain. And I'm like, ah. And I remember my wife walked off. Idiot. Right? Like she, no, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. And I'm on the floor like, ah, why? God, why? And I remember thinking to myself like, what the heck just happened. Like, where did that come from? See, in the moment, I had no idea, but what I realize now is what happened is that my ability to monitor my behavior malfunctioned. My ability to monitor my behavior kind of just stopped. In that moment, the emotions that I've tried to keep suppressed and sedated so that my wife would never ever see, all of a sudden it slipped past that security guard and came out. And I bet a lot of us, we can relate to this idea of just allowing our behavior to run crazy and run rampant on us. See, here's what I want to, to really talk to you guys about today is that we all have emotions that try to compete and take control of our life. And so going forward, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn these emotions as mind monsters. And so we all have these mind monsters, these emotional monsters that, that try and become the boss of who we are. They try to hijack our relationships our friendships, the way that we act at work. And what we tend to do is we tend to try to just keep them at bay. Like if, as long as I just push them down, go to sleep, <laughs> right? Like we try to keep these things hidden. But monitoring our, our behavior has flaws, doesn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I know for me, when I try to just monitor my behavior, I seem to always mess up. And so like, I don't want to get angry, and then I mess up. I don't want to be jealous, and then I mess up. I don't want to insert whatever your emotional monster is. I don't want to, and then I mess up. And that can get exhausting. 
that can get, like when we allow these mind monsters to take control of our lives and our decisions, it is draining. We get tired. I get tired. And so I'll say all that to say this morning, what if there's a better way to deal with these mind monsters? What if monitoring our behavior isn't the best way to deal with these emotional monsters? See, I would like to, to, to suggest that Jesus, he gives us a better way to deal with these things. And so we're actually going to jump into the text in Gospel uh, Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to look at what Jesus thinks is a better way to uh, a better way for us to um, to deal with these mind monsters rather than suppressing them, rather than just trying to monitor our behavior. He, in fact, gives us a better way. And so we're going to jump in Matthew chapter 15. Hopefully, you are there by now. <laughs> Because I gave you like 25 minutes <coughs> to find it. Is the screen back up? There it is. And Nope, there it is. And so uh, we're going to jump right in. Verse 1 of chapter 15. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. So let's pause. This is amazing because the, the Pharisees, they traveled from Jerusalem to where Jesus was, Galilee, which is over a 60-mile trek. And they traveled all this way, not because they were the fanboys of Jesus, but because they wanted to get Jesus. They wanted to prove Jesus wrong. In fact, they, they weren't a big fan of what Jesus was doing. So these Pharisees, they walked all, or rode camel, whatever, all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee to where Jesus was. Just for this, they asked him, they asked Jesus, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? Now, what I want you to get right there is when they say the age-old tradition, they're not talking about the law that God gave Moses when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. Okay, so he's, they're, they're not talking about this. They're really talking about what most scholars would call the unspoken Torah. And so what would happen is that these, the Pharisees and the priests, they would take God's, God's law, that what God gave to Moses, and they would add their own law to it. So it's, it's kind of called like the commentary. It was commentary on God's law. And so it wasn't from God, but it was like their own, their own uh, uh, almost their own manipulation of God's law. And so they said, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? So they're talking about the unspoken law, the law that, that not what God gave Moses, but this law that, that only the priests would know about, and, and they would use it, again, to manipulate situations. For they ignore our traditions of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. So these Pharisees, they walked 60 miles in the snow, barefoot. <laughs> yeah. They walked to Jesus just to say, Jesus, your disciples 
are breaking the law, man. They're, they're not washing their hands before they eat. Now, it's important to understand that what they're, that, that this idea of washing your hands, it had nothing to do because of, like, the, the germs, right? This was not, this is not why they were washing their hands. But in fact, going back to the law, right? The law that God gave Moses, the Torah, in it, God told Moses, hey, when you build the temple, they're, before the priest could eat from the showbread, they have to wash their hands. And so God instructed the priest only to do this. Now what happened is that all of a sudden, the religious sect and the rulers, they began to take what God made for the temple and made it something that everyone, all of Israel had to do. Are you guys with me so far? And so now all of a sudden, they, they are having to wash their hands before they eat because of a law that God gave to Moses for the temple. In fact, uh, one historian said the, the idea of not washing your hands in this custom, not washing your hands before you eat, was as the same uh, sin, if you will, as being caught in adultery. Okay? So, this, like this, washing hands is a big deal to them. And so they noticed that the disciples weren't washing their hands, and they're like, what is up with that, Jesus? This is what our tradition is. Why are your disciples not part of what we're supposed to do? See, I want to let you know this morning, traditions aren't bad. Tradition, like, we have traditions, don't we? I'll bet you this is a tradition that we all have here. Praying before we eat. Right? Like, so I, I've, I was raised, my parents always prayed before you eat. And then I just kind of stopped doing that. And then now it's funny because sometimes I go to lunch with, like, people here at Discovery or dinner. And I'm about to eat. And they're waiting for me to pray. And I'm like... That's a thou prayeth. And right? Like, I'm like, I'm like, let's pray. Because I'm not used to it, right? But for some of us, like, that's a tradition that we have. Now, is it bad that you pray for your food? No. Not at all. I think that's kind of cool. What other traditions? Um, we'll just stick with that one for right now. Like, is that a bad thing, praying before you eat? No. That's a great thing. That tradition is really good. Here's where traditions become a problem, though. When you think that that tradition is what keeps you in good standing with God. That's when your traditions become an issue. When you think, if I don't pray for this food, I'm going to get E. coli. If I don't pray for this food, God's going to strike me. If I don't do this or do that, God's going to be angry. And all of a sudden, that's when traditions get us in trouble. But traditions are good. And so this is what they're doing. They're trying to take these traditions and say that if you don't do this, God will see you as unclean. 
And I love Jesus because Jesus is like, hold on one sec. And he says this in verse 3. And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? And so he's like, okay, you want to go? Let's play. And he says this. He rolls up his sleeves. He says, for instance... God says, so this is the Torah, this is the law, this is what God gave to Moses, the law. Honor your father and mother. Anyone who speaks disrespectfully of a father or mother must be put to death. Like that was the law, okay, for, for Israel, for, for the Jewish uh, community. And then he goes on to say this. But you say... It is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say don't, excuse me, in this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. So what Jesus is talking about is what they would call the Corbin. And in this, in this time, uh, the, the, the parents, or excuse me, the kids would, would be responsible for providing for the parents. So if the parents, as they got old, they couldn't provide for themselves, they needed, uh, they needed money for rent or food, whatever, the, the, the kid was supposed to honor the parent by helping and providing for them. What the religious Pharisees would do is they would do this thing called Corbin where they would say that all of their income was for God. And it couldn't be designated to anything else. And so they took the unspoken law their old age-old tradition, and they used it as a workaround for God's law. Are you with me? And so, so when the parents would come and say, hey, we need help. Can you help us out? They said, I'm sorry, we can't. This is for God. And in a way, it would justify what they were doing. So verse 6 in this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God, the Torah, the law, for the sake of your own traditions. The oral Torah, right? Verse 7, I love Jesus. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote this. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This idea that they honor me with their traditions, but they don't give a rat's in their heart. I wonder if some of us can relate to that this morning. Like we're good with the lip service, but the heart service is a completely different animal. And so Jesus, he's given them a taste of their own medicine. And then he jumps into the mind monsters. He, he, he then jumps into the source of our mind monsters. And check this out, verse 10. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come here. He said, listen and try to understand it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. 
You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. So he, he's like, hey, everyone, just come, come around, come around. And Jesus is like, guys, listen. What you eat, not really a big deal. It's not what goes into your mouth, but what comes out of your mouth. And he's going to explain why that is. But at that moment, that was what you would call hashtag mic drop. Okay, because like Jesus, he mic drop and then he walks away. And you can picture his disciples like, yeah. Right? Like, just whatever. But they don't fully understand what Jesus meant because watch what Peter says. Then Peter said to Jesus, uh, can you explain to us <laughs> the parable that says we aren't defiled by what they eat? See, Peter's a little confused because he's been taught that this was how it's supposed to be. And he's a little bit confused, like, hey, so I really love how you just kind of to the Pharisees, but we just got, I just got a just quick question. What did you mean? And I love Jesus. I love his response. Check this out next screen. Don't you understand yet? That's Jesus' response to Peter. Don't you get it yet? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, I don't. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. Let's just stop, reflect that Jesus is talking about number two. Okay, like that's what he's doing. That's what he's talking about right there. He said, but the words you speak, and here's the issue with the words, right? Because it's not the words that come out. It's the word, excuse me, it's not the words that go in. It's not going in. It's coming out, right? And so why is that? Why? And Jesus says, here's why. Because the words you speak come from the heart. And that's what defiles you. Now that word defile, it's kind of like a religious term that they, the Pharisees, they would have understood uh, back in this time period. But basically, defilement is this idea of putting you at odds with God. And so Jesus is, in essence, he's saying that the words you speak come from the heart. So it's your heart that has the ability to defile you. It's your heart that has the ability to put you at odds with God. And so here, here's the number, number one. It starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. See, G, like we're monitoring our behavior, but Jesus is like, no, no, no. Guys, you're monitoring the wrong thing. We're not monitoring our behavior He's like, your behavior is not the source of your problems. The source of your problems is your heart. And so Jesus is like, don't monitor your behaviors. Monitor your heart because it's your heart that things grow from. Watch this. Check this out. He keeps going. For from the heart comes evil thoughts. So from your heart comes evil thoughts. Murder idolatry, all sexual immorality. So it's like sex outside of what God designed it to be, theft, lying, and slander. 
These are what defile you. These are what puts you at odds with God. And so here's number two. It, all, it, it starts with the heart, but it moves to your thoughts. So Jesus said the source of all your mind monsters start from what's inside of you. It starts from your heart. And then it works its way to your thoughts. And it's your thoughts that begin to produce thoughts of murder and adultery and lying and slander. And in the Gospel of Mark chapter 7, it's the same perspective, just from a different observation. Uh, Mark, the author Mark says, foolishness comes from the heart. Uh, and these, so, so it's a heart, it, it starts from the heart, but it moves to your thoughts. So we're monitoring the wrong thing. You're supposed to take care of these monsters inside of us. We don't do that by monitoring our behavior. We do it by monitoring our, our hearts. Every time my kids want to watch something that, um, like my wife and I, we're pretty just like, I grew up in a very strict household, so I wasn't able to watch anything, and so I don't want my kids to have that. Like, so I do have boundaries for them, okay? But a lot of times I want them to make a choice. And if they want to watch something, listen to something, I ask them this, what does it do to your heart? And they're pretty good at knowing that it's good for their heart or not good for their heart. And I've never once had them yet, praise God, say something that was bad for their heart, them saying that it was good for their heart. Why? Because I understand that their actions, their behaviors, their words, it starts from their heart. And I don't want them polluting their heart because I know eventually what's inside will come out. And so these monsters, it starts with the heart, it moves to the mind, to, the, to our thoughts. And here's why your monsters matter. Here's why your emotional monsters matter. Because if it didn't matter, then there's no point of us talking about this, right? But your monsters matter, and here's why they matter. Because, and this is number three, it puts you at odds with God's creation. It puts you at odds with God's creation. Remember, the word defile means to put you at odds with God, right? And so... What if we need to work on our heart, which dictates our, dictates our thoughts, and eventually our actions, because when they come out, it has the ability to hurt people who were created in God's image. See, I think, I, I don't think that we do this, that we, that we, uh, that we, we need to, to work on these monsters. I don't do this because, I don't think that we do it because it hurts God's feelings when we're mean to someone. Like, I don't think God's like, when, we're, when we don't obey God, I don't think he's like, oh, you hurt my feelings. God, John, I can't believe you did that. I'm so offended, right? Like, I, I don't see God, maybe he does. But I think the reason why the monsters matter is because your neighbor, 
your employee, the person you work with, the person you go to school with, they were all created in the image of God. And so when you hurt them, you're hurting God. And so when you get angry at your kid or your spouse or your boss or your employee or your classmate, you're in essence getting mad at someone who was created in the very image of God. See, remember Jesus said, two, I'll give you two commandments. Love God. Love one another. And so if we don't deal with our mind monsters, they put us at odds with God's creation. And so if we want to overcome these mind monsters, it starts with looking at our hearts. And I'm about to close and we're going to be done. And here's why this is important. And I'm wrapping it up. We're landing the plane. It's coming in. The people on the land, the, the airmen, they're flagging us in. Like plane, plane's coming in, okay? Please have your chairs upright. Right? Like, I just want you to understand, we're landing the plane right now. <laughs> Here's why this matters. Not just because our heart can put us at odds with God's creation, but because for a lot of us, for everyone here, most of us in here, if you're here and you identify yourself as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, you already have a boss. You already have someone that's over you. Right? Like that's salvation. Isn't it when the moment when we have altar calls and like, hey, if you're here and you want to uh, make a decision to follow Christ, lift your hand and Jesus come into my heart. What are we saying? We're saying... God, like, I don't want control anymore. I'm giving you control. I'm making you the Lord of my life. That word Lord, again, it's another religious term, but basically it's saying, I want you to be boss of me. And so if you're a Christian here today, you already have a boss. You don't need another boss. You don't need another mind monster trying to control you trying to be the boss of your, of your actions and your thoughts and your speech because you already got a boss. And so for some of us today, it's just a matter of taking back ownership. Mind monster of anger, no longer. God, I give it to you. You're my boss, Jesus. For some of you here today, you've never made that decision. And so these mind monsters of emotions that control you, you're just exhausted. You're tired. There might be some of you in here this morning, you're so drained. You feel like you just want to give up. But I got good news for you great news for you. You don't have to do this alone. That there is this boss that I know named Jesus. And he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
He said that I came to be your boss so I can give you rest. You don't have to fight with these mind munches that are draining you. You don't have to worry about focusing on, oh, I gotta try to, to worry about my behavior and I gotta try to do this because it gets tiring. You just gotta give him your heart and say, Jesus, you have my heart. Be the boss of my life. Take over. There's things in my heart, Jesus, that I know that shouldn't be there. Even things that I really like. Come on, how many of some of those? But Jesus, if you don't want it there, then I don't want it there. So can you remove those things from my heart? Last verse, Matthew chapter 11. We read this at the very beginning. Then Jesus said, come to me. Can we just close, close our eyes? I, I want to read this as if Jesus was speaking to you this morning. Because he is speaking to you. This is Jesus. He's making it personal to you right now. He's saying, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. So all of you that are fighting with these different mind monsters. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus, he says, take my yoke. Take my way. Choose my way. And if you do, you'll find rest. Let me teach you. This is Jesus speaking. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. This morning, if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Christ, you've never said, Jesus, I, I give you the keys of the Jeep. Take over. Be the boss of my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hands. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come up. We're just going to pray. And so if that's you this morning, can you just slip your hand up? And we're going to pray for you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Well, thank you. This is an amazing opportunity right here. Jesus is doing something in this moment. So it says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that God raised Christ from the dead, we will be saved. And so it's this idea that, that you, your eternity will forever be changed, but also your life here on earth you'll experience fullness of what he has for you and so if you raise your hand I'm just going to say a simple prayer and you can just repeat after me and then maybe we can all say it together just to make it less awkward and so say Jesus today I make you Lord of my life I make you the boss of my decisions 
I make you the boss of my actions. I make you the boss of my speech. I thank you that you will give me rest. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for making my heart brand new. I believe you died and rose again so that I could experience life forevermore. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you real quick. Father, we thank you for those decisions that were made this morning. God, we thank you that, that you are in the process of life change, that you're doing something in our hearts. God, and as we go through this journey the next six weeks, would you help us to, to watch our hearts, to take monitor of our hearts, that we would watch what we put into it so that we can help us to watch what goes out of it. And so we thank you for this today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.